flesh up, refresh us today. Amen? He wants us to refresh us in that today. Do you have a testimony, Bill, you want to give one? Some bottled water? Well, that's because I'm thrifty. I, <laughs> I'm looking for the best deal. <laughs> we stayed at the wrong hotel. There you go, Bill. That's, we'll, we'll work on that. Amen? Okay, if you got your Bibles, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about the gospel of grace. I want to talk about what grace is today. Say grace. grace. We're going to look at what it is, what it isn't. We're going to talk a little bit about how, how to see it, receive it. You know, we're going to just get into this thing today. I really want to read a little bit today out of, um, I use the New American Standard Version, and, and I want to read a little bit out of the Message Bible today. I want to try to finish up with something out of the Message Bible today. But as you're following along, get a pen. You can make some notes. I'll give you some stuff to fill in there. There's a definition of God's grace, and I think we've got to all get this in us. As we are shifting, as we're changing, as we're moving into the direction in which God has for us, we've got to understand what God's grace is, okay? So you got the definition of God's grace there. God's grace literally is his what? His undeserved, unmerited, what else? Unearned. It's a gift of God. It's his favor. There is the favor of God on your life, and it's, be, and, and it's, and it's there, and we didn't earn it, and we don't deserve it, but it's there. So very simply putting, putting that would be grace is God giving to us good things we don't deserve. Say that with me. God giving to me good things I don't deserve. Don't children get that from their parents at times? Come on, don't parents get that from, from their parents at times? So don't we get that from others that all of a sudden, you know, I, I receive something good that I didn't deserve? I know there were times where Delbert and I have talked about some things that things had come his way, and he was like, I don't know why, they're just showing up. It's just there. <laughs> it's, it's just there. So those things that are there, that's God's grace. Say God's grace. Tell your neighbor next to you, said you operate in God's grace. God's grace is God's idea. It's not my idea. It's not a theology. It's not a philosophy. It's not something we've cooked up and said, let me give you, you know, six steps to this or seven steps to that. God's grace literally is the, is the teaching and the purpose of Jesus Christ. It's his, it's his grace. I bless you with God's grace. It says grace and great grace. Grace and more grace. Say more grace. grace. Say, Lord, I need more grace. grace. I mean, we're going to see too where we've received some grace. Turn with me to John chapter 1. So we know grace is God's idea. It's not a teaching. It is actually the purpose, the person of Jesus Christ. So John chapter 1 verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but what? Grace and truth. I want to highlight these two words, grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Uh, you guys are so good to me. Do you know that? Because, you know, I want to get you involved in it. I want to get you involved because I don't know about you, but if I just read it, I don't learn it as well as I read it, see it, hear it, speak it. So I've got to read, see, hear, and speak it <laughs> in order to be able to learn it. You know, maybe I'm hard-headed. My Shelly can tell you I'm hard-headed at times. I definitely am hard-headed. So I need to be able to see it, read it, hear it, and as well as speak it. 
So he says that what? The law was given by Moses, but what? Grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay? So we focus on grace and truth in this scripture. Let me, let me, let me, let me focus on a couple other words in this scripture. The law was what? Given. Say given. It was given by Moses. But grace and truth did what? Came through Jesus Christ. The law was given, but grace and truth came. Oh, come on, somebody. The law was given, grace and truth came. Moses gave the Ten Commandments, but grace and truth... Now, we know that truth is a person also, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the same way grace is a person, it's the person of Jesus Christ. So grace and truth are in Jesus. Hello? You, you with me? So the law of Moses, the law was what? Given by Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Say, it came from Jesus Christ. So let me just touch base real quickly on the law. When you look at the law, you can see in Exodus 32 where Moses had the law, brought the law down, Actually, he broke those Ten Commandments. He physically threw the tablets down and broke them. And in Exodus 34, he got them again. Did you know that? Did you know that the law was given twice to Moses? A lot of times people don't know that. Kind of like the Noah's Ark thing where there was more than just the two animals two by two. You know, and we don't read the scriptures. We just kind of glance over it. So we know that the Ten Commandments was given to Moses. It's handwritten on stone by God, given to Moses. Moses took those commandments and it was given by Moses to the people. And he got upset. He got angry. I mean, he broke a commandment right away, didn't he? <laughs> he came down and the people had, you know, made this golden calf and they, they formed this image that wasn't the image of God. And he was like, Aaron, what's the problem here? He's like, you know, the people. It was the people. They said, where is Moses, this guy? He's just gone to let us make this calf in our own image. Now, how many of us, when God doesn't do when he wants to do, we try to do it our own way? So in a way, we kind of make our own golden calf. We kind of make our own. If we're going to do it ourselves, then I'm going to do it outside of God's timing and not in God's timing. And the Israelites were the same way. They said, well, we don't know where Moses is at. I mean, he went up on that mountain with God and, you know, is God's God. We don't know where he's at. Is he going to ever come back? So that was the law. Now, remember a couple things about the law. The law was engraved in what? Stone. Say stone. Isn't stone hard? Is it not bending? Isn't that the way the law was? Hard, not bending. Right? So sometimes we operate either in the law or we operate in grace or we've come to the place where we've operated in the law sometimes and grace and we've kind of mixed them together. But the law itself was hard and not bending. So there's a difference between law and grace. There's a difference between law and grace. Now listen, if you want to operate in the law and stay in the law and operate in the law, that's up to you. We're not going to operate in the law, stay in the law. We're going to operate in God's goodness, His grace, His unmerited, undeserved favor upon our lives. We're going to operate in that. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to take a journey with me out of the law into grace. Out of the law into grace. Out of something that won't bend. Out of the, out of the law that is, that is rigid. It's strict. It's hard. I mean, we've got to keep the laws. The laws were put in place for us to know 
really whether we broke the law or not. How would I know if I didn't break the law if there wasn't a speed limit? If there was no speed limit signs and they didn't pass a law, Senator, there wasn't a law passed in Oklahoma about how fast we could drive. We could drive as fast as we wanted, couldn't we? I could drive as slow as I wanted to, right? But unfortunately, there's laws that are in place that say when it says 55, you drive 55. I can't drive 55. Well, I drive 55 plus some or minus some. So if there's a law there in place that says I got to drive 55, I'm supposed to drive 55. If there wasn't a law, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to drive. I could drive whatever I wanted to. I want to go on the German Autobahn. Anybody want to go with me? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, come on. How come they design cars that will drive 180 miles an hour if it can only drive 55? Isn't that right? And the girls are going on. I can't believe this. This has got to be a guy thing. There might be some girls in there that... They want to get on there and drive, drive a little bit. I mean, wouldn't that be so... Well, never mind. I'm just getting off my message here. But you guys have grace, right? You have grace. You have God's goodness and his, his undeserved favor. You have that on my life. So as we begin to look at some things about grace, we want to come out of the law and into grace. So in order to come out of the law, you've got to see that you're in the law. And I really believe this is a, a situation... That over the past few years, the Lord has showed me. I don't know what he's showing you, but I know what I'm experiencing. And I might have been in the law, and I've been in the law, and I'm trying to, that law try to pulls me back, and I try to have to achieve. You know, in the law, you have to achieve. I'm not saying you don't want to accomplish things. I'm not saying you don't want to get some things done in your life, because if we just never did that, it, my, my house would be a mess. But in the law, we, we're, we're, it's about achieving righteousness. Maintaining. I achieve righteousness because I'm good. Because I didn't kill, I didn't steal, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't do all these things. Then I am now achieving righteousness. And how many of you know, under grace, our righteousness is not by what we achieved. It's not by how good we are or what we did. Our righteousness only solely comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I look at Jesus, I think about my righteousness. I don't think about my sin when I look at Jesus. And God doesn't want you to look at your sin. But if you see it, it needs to be like a rearview mirror where you glance at it and there it was because your future is greater than your past. Where you're going is greater than where you've been. Where you're headed is better than what you've been in in the past. Can I get an amen? See, that's, about, that's where we're looking forward to the grace. So I can glance at the law, I can see the law, but I'm going to move forward in the things of grace. So let's break down a couple things. First of all, on your notes there, first of all, it says that the law demands. Say demands. Demands righteousness from sinful man. The law demands. If you don't keep my commandments... There's a demand. Bill, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this, Justin. You've got to do this, Richard. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You know what I mean? You've got to do this. You've got to do this. If you look at it in the Old Testament, there was grace in the Old Testament. There was grace in the New Testament, New Covenant. There was grace in the Old Covenant. 
There was grace where grace was the most important thing in the old covenant. And then the law came in and the law was the most important thing. And then through the cross came Jesus Christ. Then all of a sudden grace, we returned back to the way God originally intended it. And he intended us to walk and live in grace. That's why Abraham could have a wife and tell the king, the ruler, that it was his sister. And God didn't strike Abraham dead. Because he was under grace. Same thing now where you can mess up and still apply the blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ on your life. Amen? So what we're saying is the law demands. Say demand. It demands righteousness from sinful man. So let's look at what grace does. We already got it up there. Grace imparts righteousness to sinful man. The law demands it from you. Grace says, I'm going to impart it to you. As I was reading over this this morning and meditating on it, and do you remember Jesus said it is better to give than receive? If I applied it to this statement that grace is to impart to us, then Jesus is the one that is imparting it to us. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave. He says it's better to give than it is to receive. Because grace wants to impart righteousness to you, to sinful man. So the law demands things to be perfection. It's got to be perfect, but the law will not lift a finger to help you. In other words, it's got to be perfect. The scripture says that the law is holy, righteous, and just. The law is holy, just, and good is what it says. The law is holy, just, and good, but it doesn't do anything, Steve, to make you holy, justice, and good. Just and good. Are you with me? It's kind of like a mirror. Joseph Joseph Prince said, you look in a mirror. The mirror will point out my flaws. (laughs) But I can't take that mirror and change my my, uh, pimples, change my nose, get my hair growing back. Are you with me? The mirror reflects what I see, right, Kate? It reflects what I see, but it doesn't do anything to change what you see. So that's a good analogy, isn't it? So if we, if we begin to look at the mirror, we can see our flaws, but it doesn't change our flaws. Hello? Hello? So he says when you look in that mirror, and James talks about looking in the mirror, we want to look in the mirror, we want to see God. So when I look in the mirror, I don't see Johnny. I do see, but I don't concentrate on my receding hairline or I'm getting a little bit older or wrinkles here or there, whatever. But what I do is say, there's, look at that. That's a reflection of God. I'm made in his image and I'm made in his likeness. And I don't focus on the wrinkles. Hello? I don't focus on, see, some of y'all got a lip. I don't have an upper lip. It's, It's just gone. I mean, God just didn't give me no upper lip. I don't have much upper lip. But I can do something y'all can't do. I can take my tongue touch my nose. But if I had an upper lip, I probably couldn't do that. Right? So, you know, when you look in the mirror, it sees imperfection. But what you want to do is you want to look in the mirror and see what God sees. God's not looking at your imperfections here today, church. God's not looking at how imperfect you are in fact through the blood of Jesus he's looking at just the opposite how righteous you are how lovely you are how fantastic you are you're his child you're his son you're his daughter you are beautiful you are loved you are fantastic 
Say, I'm awesome. <laughs> say, I'm amazing. I mean, we got to look in the mirror and say, you know, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're royalty. You're destiny. I am free. I am a child of the Most High God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above all in it. No matter what happens today, I got the wisdom of God. I got the mind of Christ. I am, I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I don't care if you got two nickels to rub together. If you'll see yourself and say, this is the things that I see, those are the things that God sees, and he'll bring you up out of Lodabar. He'll put you at a table, and he'll put in the presence of your enemies and he'll give you the fatted calf and he'll have the party and the ring and the rope and we'll party. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're royalty. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, you're royalty. Well, this royalty has got to get a drink of water. I think I got it right here, honey. Jesus is what? Living water. Living water. So law demands righteousness from sinful man, but grace imparts righteousness to sinful man. See, it's through the grace of God. Say grace of God. That perfection comes through the grace of God. It's for every man. Those that receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive this grace of God. And there are times where I wasn't in Christ that I can look back and I received God's goodness, his unmerited favor in my life. Whether I knew him and had a relationship with him or not, that grace was still there. But God's done it through Jesus Christ for every man. See, Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for you and you and you and your mom and your brother and your sister and your aunt and your uncle and cousin and first cousin, second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin, fifth cousin, in-law, outlaw. He died for everyone. But it doesn't say all will be saved. Those that come to know him and have a relationship with him. Are you with me? Those that say you're my Lord and my Savior that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Come on, somebody needs to give me a big amen. amen. Okay. So if law demands, law demands, and demands are not met, what happens? Yeah, you're right. We feel condemned, don't we? Think about this. If, um, if you have a car payment, you're making your car payment, and the law demands that you're supposed to make that car payment. How many of you feel bad when you can't make that car payment? How about after once or twice? How about three or four months? How about when Mr. Mr. What is that that show? Uh, Mr. Repo Man. How about when Mr. Repo Man comes and gets it? Anybody feel condemned? Absolutely. Because that's what the law does. It brings us to a place of condemnation. I want you to be able to pay your bills. You know, I want you to, God wants that too. That's important. But when the law demands some things and when the demand is not met, you feel condemned. If I didn't wash the dishes correctly, I felt condemned. When I was little, we had five of us. One of us took a time of cleaning the table, setting the table, washing the dishes and drying the dishes, and the other one got a night off. I know that's a foreign concept to some of you because we have dishwashers now. We didn't have dishwasher back then. Or we did have them, but we personally didn't have one. Their dishwashers were me and my, my four siblings. <laughs> Here's my dishwasher. Here's my automatic dishwasher. <laughs> it's kind of like, what is it? The Donald Duck, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And <laughs> it's like these were the dishwashers. So when I was to wash the dishes and the washes weren't, com- weren't clean and then that my sister would go by and she'd look at 
something that was still on there and put it back on this side of the sink because this side of the sink was dirty. We washed, we rinsed, we placed it over here and somebody dried it and it came back here and it came back. I felt condemned. I was like, gosh, I can't get that clean. And she was like, no, you can get it clean. Just try to use this little scrub brush. Are you with me? That's the law, but we don't operate under the law. We operate under what? Grace. Say, God is good all the time. So we can stay in the law and operate in the law. But the law demands some things from us. Here's what the law does. The law actually condemns the best of us. No matter how good you are, if you operate in the law, the law will still condemn you. But God's grace saves the worst of us. No matter how bad you are, through God's grace, the worst of us can be saved. See, if you measure that up against the law, you're going to be condemned because you missed out on one part. And the Bible says if you miss out on one part, you've missed out on all of it. What? You mean if I missed out on one part, I missed out on all? Yes, if I break one commandment, I broke them all. Sorry, but that's what it says. But I got good news. Say good news. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say good news. The question is, is where are we now? If, if, if 3,000 years ago we were living and operating in the law, we would be under the law and we would be condemned under the law. We'd be operating under the law and the law would have demands on us. But where are we now? I'm not 3,000 years ago. I'm now. I'm fast-forwarding. Are you with me? Through Jesus Christ, through the cross 2,000 years ago when he gave his life, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. And I want to look at verse 14. Romans six fourteen. Romans six fourteen. Because a lot of times we think, well, you know what, sin's got a hold on me. He said, well, you know what, sin shall not master, master you. Sin shouldn't be a master in your life. Jesus should be our master, amen? So it says, sin, sin shall not be master over you because you're not under what? The law, but you're under? What are you under now? Are we under the law? No. Are we under God's grace? Now that's tough. That's tough. Because we want to say, what about the Ten Commandments? I want to be the Ten Commandments. I should fulfill the Ten Commandments. You should. And you will. If you truly underate, un, 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 understand grace, the law is here and God's grace is not here. God's grace is, it transcends that. Sin has consequences. No doubt. Dealing with them about every day in my life. Come on, somebody. But I don't have to operate by the law. I'm operating by God's grace. And when I operate God's grace, guess what I do? If I'm truly operating in God's grace, I'll fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. So if the law is fulfilled in Jesus and we're in Jesus, then we can fulfill the law. Oh, come on, somebody. So it doesn't lead to what some people would call sloppy grace. Grace is not, well, I can do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. I can do it and then, you know, just the way it is and... And God forgives me and he loves you. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does forgive you. He does love you. But there are consequences to sin. Hear me, church. There are consequences to sin. It's kind of like... If you break the law of speeding, you can get a speeding ticket. I thank God for his grace. Because we were coming back from Dumas... And I have a trouble driving 55. And I'm conf- 65. <laughs> I just said I had trouble driving 55. 55 is less than 65, right? So anyways, I was driving, Bryce. 
And I, actually, I was praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. I pray in the Spirit every day. I was praying in the Spirit. Shelly said, you want to listen to this? You want me to read? I said, no, I just want to pray in the Spirit. And I was praying in the Spirit, and I was driving and praying in the Spirit. And it just seemed like the more I drove and prayed in the Spirit, the faster I went. I don't know if, Richard, you ever had that problem, but I've had that problem. <laughs> but Shelly can say, it just doesn't matter because the more you kind of think and are in, out here in the world you know, or in the space or in the spirit or whatever, you can drive pretty fast anyways. I wasn't driving fast because I wanted to drive fast. I was just kind of going with the flow. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a Texas Highway Patrol came by me, Stacy. This way. And I was I'd come up on behind this other car, and I was kind of hanging behind him, and he was moving along pretty good, and I was moving along pretty good. And confession is good for the soul. Do y'all know this? I am not advocating driving fast. I'm not advocating driving, breaking the speed limit or whatever. But can I be just straight up with you? Can I be real? So I'm going along, <laughs> I'm going along, Larry, and I'm getting behind this guy, and I see his lights turn on. And I'm praying in the spirit. You know, and I'm just drumming. I see him go by. And I'm, wa- I'm watching him. And I'm watching him. And Cade, there's no brake lights. And I'm watching him. And he goes a little bit farther and there's no brake lights. And then I'm watching him and all of a sudden there's brake lights. And he's doing a U.E. And there's not only brake lights, there's red lights and blue lights, and they're going, and I'm going, hun, dun, shun, dun, You know, and I'm just like, okay, okay, God, that's your grace. It's like, you know, if I get a ticket, I get a ticket. You, know. you were right over there next to me. You were reading. You had your earplugs in. You were reading. I wasn't going to tell you because you'd be, never mind. You'd be releasing grace on my life. And I was driving along, and, you know, when I looked up, and I was like, here he is. He did a Yui. He did a Yui, man. And I traveled for a while, probably an hour, with this other car behind me. It was a silver, I remember. It was a silver Chevy, um, you know, what, kind of what you got, suburban-like deal. It was a silver one. And, and they were behind Stacy. I'm Stacy's former high patrol. So anyways, let me talk to you. <laughs> My confession's good. I'll make it to the So I was, I was driving along, and that guy was behind me. And sure enough, he did a Yui, and I thought, okay, if he, if he gets me, he gets me. I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I just prayed in the Spirit. So I'm not going to pull it out, pull me out of peace. And sure enough, the lights come on, and he pulls the car that was behind me. I was like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I said, there might be something to this praying in the spirit thing. (laughs) She said we were pulling the church trailer. Yes, we were, but, you know, what a representation. There goes God. (laughs) There goes the man of God traveling 80s. I told you, I can't drive 55, but I can, and I do. And I'm saying this because if I was to operate in the law, I probably would have been in unrest the entire way. But I said, okay, God, I'm sorry. How many of you know, guess what I did? Slow down a little, set my cruise control. I thought, okay, God, this is, I'm going to take a warning. (laughs) I'm going to take a warning, and I'm going to travel, but... I am not under sin. Are you with me? Sin's not going to master me. Because I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Amen? So let's take a look at that scripture. If you got it in your Bible, just kind of underline it, 614. And I, I underlined this. A couple things I wanted to put, point out. For sin shall not be master over you. 
For you're not under law, law meaning demand, but I'm under grace, meaning what? Supply. See, what we understand is that, that law, there's a demand. You agree? You agree? Say, I agree. Law, there's a demand. If I'm going to operate in the law, there's a demand. Okay? Doesn't mean that there's not demand under grace. I'll share this with you in just a minute. But how many of you know we've got to look at this thing? Well, let me just back up. Let's look at demand first. Let's look at demand. He says, if sin shall not master, be master over me. For you're not under law, you're under grace. Law has demand. So demand is this. I think, I think I, did I give you the definition of demand on your handout? It's asking or receiving a price for something. Asking or receiving a price for goods offered. That's what I put down there. Asking or receiving a price. There's a demand. You buy a house, guess what? You have a mortgage, and there is a demand that you pay that mortgage. If you don't pay that mortgage, you don't live in the house any longer. Are you with me? There's anything. There is a, there's a demand. You go to Walmart or United, Homeland, wherever you go, you go and you pay money, you receive something, right? There is a demand. Uh, I want this Wheaties box. You can get it, but I demand two ninety nine. Are you with me? $2.99 is my demand. Give me $2.99. You can have the Wheaties all you want to. Okay? So there's a demand that's there. So it's basically understanding that there is a, a, a price for something that has been given to you or goods that have been offered. Under the law, it's asking or seeking what's due. Asking or seeking what's due. See, the main characteristic of law is demand. If you speed... I demand $120. I demand you go to court. I demand I take your license. I demand, you, you see that? You stand in front of the judge, there's going to be some demands. I demand you go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You just go to jail. Okay? So there's demand. Say demand. So if the very main characteristic is demand for law, what do you think the main characteristic would be for grace? Supply. Supply. Say supply. We had talked about a supply line, a toilet supply line where you hook it up to the wall and you put it up there. And how many of you ladies, you know, you flush the commode and the water comes in? There's just a continuous supply, right? Unless something happens to the supply chain. There's a continuous supply. That's probably the problem with Walmart. The supply chain is not continuous, so there's some things, Sean, that you're not getting because they're not getting it or they're not ordering it or there's a good reason behind some of that stuff, but it's still frustrating. How many of you know when the supply is cut off, it's frustrating? God has an endless supply. I can say that and I can see some of you that are some of you are like, well, where's mine? Right? Come on, let's be real. If he's got an endless supply, I'm, I'm lacking in some areas. I'm lacking in some areas. If he's got an endless supply. Well, maybe we're operating in the law and we're expecting a demand. Maybe we're not putting a demand on Christ. Maybe we're not putting a demand because under grace, under supply, there still is a demand. Let me give you a biblical example. Can I do that for you? Acts chapter 3. When Peter and John went to the temple, there was a guy out there, they would put him out there and he would beg for alms. And, and Peter and John came and guess what? They are operating in the grace of God. 
the goodness of God, his unmerited favor. Do you think this guy deserved to be healed? Do you think this guy out there begging for however many years he was begging, and some theologians say he was out there 10 or 12 or 15 years, they even say that that man was there at the gate called Beautiful begging when Jesus came in and out of the temple. So if he's out there begging, then maybe he just doesn't deserve to get healed. Maybe it's just too bad. I mean, it's his bed. Let him lie in it. But Peter looked at him, and the man looked at Peter, and the Bible says he was expecting something. So, Kate, I'm going to utilize you. Come on up here. I'm going to, if you will, I need you to be the one outside the gate beautiful. Okay, I want you just to get down like on your knees, like you're going to, you know, you're just going to kind of beg and put your hands up here like, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. So he's at the gate called Beautiful, and I'm going to come out, you know, and Peter looks at him, and he looks at Peter. He said, look at me. And he looked at Peter, and he was expecting something. There's a key. When we look to Christ, are we expecting anything? Or am I saying, I love you, Father, and I'm expecting your love to flow out of my life? We need to expect God's love. Oh, come on. He loves you more than you will even operate in his love for you. He loves you more than that. So what he did is he looked at me and said, look, I don't, I don't, silver and gold I don't have. And he reaches down and he grabs him and he says, but in the name of Jesus, he's placing a demand on him. He said, rise. Now, grace was released upon his life. His ankles, the Bible said, were cracked and they were strengthened. Are you with me? There was a demand that was put on him as the beggar to do what? you got to get up. <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, get up. Yeah. Come on, there's a demand on you to get up. So we got to get up. And he says, he, he, he got him up, and he said he kind of leaped, jump up one time. Come on, jump higher than that. You're a basketball player. Jump higher than that. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Now, there's a leap. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, and he was leaping. So you come with me. You're leaping, and we're going in the temple. Come on. Hey, look at that guy. Who's that? That's Mr. Beggar Man out there. Hey, look at him. You know what I mean? Jesus didn't have to point it out. You didn't have to. Come on, leap, leap some for me. You know, I'd be going, hey, I've been leaping too. I've been looking at him. I mean, he's, he's, he just got healed. Well, see, some people would look at it, and guess what? He just cut off his supply. Nobody thought about that, did you? He just got healed, so guess where he's not going to be tomorrow? He's not going to be out in front of the temple begging. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord some praise for our, our, our leaping joint. See, he got healed. He got healed. And the Bible said there was a demand that Peter placed on them. Although he was operating in the grace of God, his unmerited favor, his undeserved favor, that guy didn't deserve it, so we would think. But how many of you know with God, he did deserve it? Number one, he didn't deserve to be sick. Come on, somebody. He didn't deserve to not be able to earn something. He didn't deserve to be able to be poor and sitting there at that deal because God says, I'm going to place a demand. He says, silver and gold, I'm not going to give you, is basically what it was. If you look at it in the Hebrew, in the context of what it is, it's like, I'm not going to give you silver and gold, but I got something better than that to give you. And he took him and he said, rise up, and he walked. And he placed a demand on him, and he rose up and he walked. Come on, give the Lord a mighty praise today. Hallelujah. So if we're going to operate in grace, there will be a demand in some things. So let's look at this. If we operate under grace every single day, how many of you know there will be supply? Say, I have supply. So what supply mean? Look at your hand out there. Supply literally means to fill up. Fill up as in if there's a deficiency happens. 
there's any deficiency, when you flush the commode, guess what? The supply line brings the water back in. Hello? You turn on the faucet in the sink and don't, doesn't water come out? I love water that comes out, don't you? I mean, I, I'm glad I don't have to go out and, and get water. From a, well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute because the Lord showed me something about that. It means to furnish what's wanted. It means to furnish a sufficiency. God is working his supply in you. Let me say this. God is working his supply in you. Say, God has more than enough. Come on, everybody. Say, God has more than enough. And my supply is coming. So the water's there. When the faucet needs to be turned on, it's just you've got to turn on the water. There is a demand put on you. Do you want water out of that sink? Yeah. Well, how come it ain't coming out? No, do you want water out of that sink? Yeah. I want to wash my hands. Turn it on. Reach over there. Now, there will probably be a day where technology will go, and you'll just say, sink, turn on. That's going to be a cool day. You walk in now, you can turn your lights on. Some people, they even got the phone things. Turn your light on. When you're driving home, if it's dark, you can go on your phone, turn your lights on. I guess that's what they call a smart house. I guess I got a dumb house. Because I pull in the driveway and then it don't turn on. <laughs> I want you to write this down. I want you to be more conscious of God's supply in your life than you are conscious of sin. Be more conscious of God's supply in your life than you are conscious of sin. Be more conscious of his supply. It's coming. It's here. I just got to turn on the faucet. It's coming. It's here. I got to turn on the faucet. See, a lot of times all we're conscious of is sin, sin, sin. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I better not do this. I better not do this. I shouldn't do this. I want to do that. I don't want to do that. I shouldn't do this. I'm going to do that. I can't do this. And I'm operating in the law. And if I can move from the law into God's grace and I can be more conscious of his righteousness, his holiness, his loveliness, his, his constant supply in my life, then my mind will shift from what I used to have into what I do have now and I'm thankful for what I do have. That being said, Paul said, I've had, I've had a little and I've had a lot and I'm content in all things. Because you know why? He was operating in God's grace. He knew that, in fact, God even told him, what did he do? He had, to, he had an issue with his body. They, some talk about it's a messenger of Satan or whatever it was. They would, some talk about it being an illness. It was a demon, demon that was harassing him or whatever. But here's what I want you to understand. What did God tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, so don't let that stop you. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't let that stop you. But you don't understand there's something in the way. Came from North Carolina and was a basketball player. Some people know his name is Michael Jordan. Anybody ever heard of him? Got one over here that's heard of him. Michael Jordan, I believe, is one, one of the greatest basketball players on this planet. Used to be. And, and if it was Michael was working out, you know what I mean? He's like, you know, somebody's guarding him. And then, and then he's, you know, he's all over him and everything else. Katie's, you know, they're, they're pushing on him. They're shoving on him. He's like, coach, coach, they won't let me drive to the basket. They're pushing on me. What do you think coach is going to say? I guess you can go sit down if you want to. Or you can do something about it. Danny Silk would say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hmm, I'm sorry, what are you going to do? 
So Michael Jordan says, it doesn't matter, pushing on me, it doesn't matter. He just kind of backs in. He'll elbow him back in, move. He'll separate, get distance, do a fall away. He'll do a You see what I'm getting at? We can be more concerned about what they're doing against us instead of saying, you know what? I'm fixing the score. I don't care if it's you and five others. And Michael would do that sometimes. Have you ever seen that guy play? He was like, oh, man. He was playing against Cleveland one time. And, I mean, it was the last of the game, and he just took the ball down, and they were all over the place, and he dribbled and dribbled and shot, shoot, shoot. They passed it back to him, and it was like he was all over the place. And it was like, three, two, one. That guy was in his face, all up in him. And he's just like, two, one. It's over. You know, it was like. That's what we got to do to the enemy. Amen. When he gets in your face, you just got to tell him to back off. Amen? You got to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on with you because God's grace is sufficient for me. So no matter what I'm going through now, it's not going to stop me from staying and keeping and living and entering into the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, real quick. I'm gonna, I want to talk a little bit about John 5.19. Okay, I got a good one. John 5.19. Turn to John 5.19. It really talks about seeing Jesus. Jesus sees the supply. Say supply. How many of you know the Father furnished Jesus with what he needed? He, f- he furnished Jesus with everything he needed. Somebody said something about a water well. Water well earlier. When we were kids, we used to have a, you know, had a, had a deal. And some of you guys know that it's a pump. Some of you don't know. Some of y'all think the water well is you just turn on the water and it's there. But a water well, you had to do what, didn't you? My brother was three years older than I am, so when we went out to get water or needed water out of the water well, guess what? He got to do the pumping. I like that part. Of course, he was stronger and bigger than I was. So he'd pump, right? You need... <clears throat> Come on, Jeff. Hurry up. Where's the water? I got the bucket. Just relax. Just relax. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you guess what? You fart, you're priming the pump. The water is now starting to come up, starting to fill into the pump. And then all of a sudden, he, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? I'm holding the bucket. And it's like, ooh, that's good. I get a bucket, fill it. I says, my turn. He gets the bucket, and I get on there. When guess what? It's easy. All I got, because I was little, all I had to do was jump on the handle and ride it down like a swing. Jump on the handle. <sighs> he did all the work. Who got all the supply? Jesus did all the work so you could come and grab that handle and say, it's easy. The supply's coming. All I've got to do is just keep it flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. Jesus on the cross did the work for us to be able to bring in the grace of God, His unmerited, undeserved favor on our life. And all we got to do is love Him and worship Him and serve Him, and it'll flow. It'll flow. It'll flow into your life. It'll flow into your family. It'll flow into your ministry. It'll flow into your workplace. It'll flow into your home and your families. It'll flow, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. I'm out of breath from pumping. Thank God for his supply. Okay, I'm going to read to you the message Bible. Can I do that? John 5.19 says something about his supply. Susan, you want to come play, Susan? Please. Is it okay if I take a few deep breaths? This old man wore out. So you're not even, you've been jumping and stuff, and you're not even breathing hard. Here's what it says. Listen to these. 
We're talking about God's supply, right? Say, His supply is endless. So Jesus explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he is doing. Are you a son? Does the father love the son? Father loves the sons and daughters. Hello? And he includes them in everything that he is doing. But you haven't seen half of it yet. For the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. The Son gives life to anyone He chooses. Hello? Neither He nor the Father shuts anyone out. There's a way. There's a way to come to Christ. If you've not come to Christ, there's a way. And I was looking at that, I'm thinking, anyone he chooses. I was reading back in the New American Standard, and and it was really talking about that when Jesus saw the Father, he just did what the Father told him to do. He was modeling what he saw. And isn't that what we're supposed to do in our life, model what Jesus did? Jesus said, the greater things that you will do, because I go to be with the Father, these greater things. Let me go on. I want to go back over that, but you haven't seen the half of it yet. For in the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. The Son gives life to anyone He chooses. Neither He nor the Father shuts anyone out. The Father handed all authority to judge over to the Son, so that the Son will be honored equally with the Father. Anyone who dishonors the Son dishonors the Father. For it was the Father's decision to put the Son in the place of of honor. As we're looking at our stage, where is Jesus now? Is he in the manger? Is he on the cross? Where is he? Is that a place of honor? <laughs> I love this. You guys are catching this thing. I'm telling you, it is on fire. It's just in it's like fire shut up in my bones. He's not here, and he's not here, but he's here. So where are we? Okay, children. He says, anyone who honors the son honors the father, and the father's decision to put the son in the place of honor. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I'm saying right now and aligns himself with the Father who has in fact put me in charge has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. So if I operate in the law, there's condemnation in the law, right? That's what Bobby said earlier. We feel condemned. If I operate in his grace and his love and his mercy, listen, if I operate in that and I'm seated with him in heavenly places, 
then I'm seated in a place of honor just like he's in a place of honor. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's moved us from the babe to the cross to being seated with him in heavenly places in the seat of honor. And he's not going to take it back. He's not going to go back to the cross. He's already done that. And you know he's not going to go back to the manger because he's already done that. When Jesus said it is finished, the law has been fulfilled and it's the grace of God in which we operate in. you got grace all over your life. You're dripping in the grace of God. you got honey just rolling off of you. Say, I have the grace of God. Say God's favor. favor. It's a gift. gift. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I can do to earn it. It's a gift from Him. I receive that goodness, that grace of God. I receive God's favor, His supply on my life. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Tell you, we just hit something in the spiritual realm. Say, I receive God's goodness, His grace, His supply on my life. Ooh, 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 ooh. On my life, I need His grace. I couldn't hold up under the law, I couldn't do it under the law. But it's what Jesus has done for me. So I'm not going to look at the law. I'm going to look at Jesus. One more time. I receive God's goodness, His grace upon my life. Come on, let's receive it. 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 Just stand to your feet. Just receive it. Just be, I see an impartation taking place. I see an impartation. Remember, grace imparts to sinful man. Grace imparts to you. He's imparting. He's imparting. He's imparting his love. He's imparting his goodness. He's imparting his grace. He's imparting wisdom and revelation. Come on, let's just receive that. That's, you need that. You need it for tomorrow. In fact, you need it for this afternoon. You need it for this afternoon. You need it for this afternoon. I want us to focus on his supply, his supply. My personal way to put it is God's got a way. God's got a way. God's got a way. That's, that's me personally. I'll say God's got a way. I can look at a situation and say God's got a way. God's got a way. No, it looks impossible. I mean, there's things that are impossible that just in the natural, it just looks like a disaster. I'm telling you, God's got a way. 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 His supply. His supply is coming. His supply is coming. His supply is coming. His supply is coming. He's got a way. He's got a way around that situation. He's got a way in that situation. He's got a way. He's got provision that's coming. There's provision that's coming. He's making a way. 
He's making a way. They might be dry. You might be thirsty. But I'm telling you, he's got a way. Here comes the water. Here comes the water. Here comes the supply. Moving it forward. Moving it forward. Whoo, just receive it. Just receive that supply. Just receive his supply. Just receive his goodness. Receive his love. Somebody say, oh, no, I, I, I'm not worthy. No, Jesus made you worthy. Jesus made you worthy. It's not what you can do because we're not worthy. But within Christ, I am worthy. Because of what he's done. He's got a way. He's got a way. He's got a way. Just put your hand on your heart. Say, God has supply for me. Come on, you need to say it. You need to believe it. God has supply for me. Come on, say it three times. Say it three times. God has supply for me. God has supply for me. God has supply for me. He's got a way. He's got a way. He's got a way. He's got a way through the dry land. He's got a way on the mountain. He's got a way through the valley. He's got a way in the midlands. He's got a way in the vast land. He's got a way. 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 Now, I want, I want you to shift to his goodness. He's good. He's continually good. God is continually good. He's good in my life. He's bringing me good things. Come on. He's bringing me good things. He's bringing good things. He's bringing me good things. He's releasing good things into my life. Good things into my life. He's bringing me good things. He's bringing me good things. He, uh, you're going to focus on his supply. You're going to focus on his supply. Not on his demand. You're going to focus on his supply. You're going to focus on his supply. The last scripture, Philippians 2.13, says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. (laughs) I declare Philippians over your life, that he's working in you. He's working in you. He's working in you. He's working in you. I see situations. I see situations where things have been fragmented and ripped. It's almost like a, a cloth that's been ripped apart, that God is sewing it back. He's sewing it back. He's sewing it back. I see places where it's been ripped and it's torn apart that he's taken it now and he's sewing it on a new garment. A new garment. A new garment. A new garment. Just release your past. Things of your past, just release them. They got to go in Jesus' name. They've got to go in Jesus' name. You're not going to operate in the law. The law says to keep remembering them. You're not worthy. No, no, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. When you just confess, Lord, I'm, I'm just, I need you in every area of my life. I need you. I need you in every area of my life. I need you in every area of my life. If you're here today and you've just not given your life to Christ, just do it. Just do it. You don't have to get cleaned up to do it. Just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Jesus died upon the cross for us. He rose again for us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father for us. And he loves us. And he's praying for us right now. Wow, wow, wow. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you've said, you know, I've not done this before, but, but I want to do it today. If that's you today, I just, I just want you just to receive him in your heart today. Just say, Lord, come into my heart. Just forgive me. Just say, forgive me. It's got to be a real thing. It's not just by emotion. It's got to be a real thing. Maybe you're here today and you've done it years ago and you want to rededicate your life today. Just say, Lord, I'm going to rededicate my life today. Maybe you've been like me and been operating in the law, operating in the law and mixing it with some grace. And maybe you just want to come totally out of the law and into God's grace, into his goodness, into his goodness. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing this morning. 
It's good. It's powerful. See, God's grace, the law would make us, we could point out that we were holy, righteous, and, 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 and good. But God's grace makes us holy, righteous, and good. Jesus did something about it when he shed his blood. So, Father, we pray blessings. I'm going to just ask the ministry team to come on up today, those of you that are part of ministry teams, if you will.